0: Mac Power Users, episode 423, reporting in from WWDC 2018. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie?
1: Hey, David. I've got to admit, I'm more than a little jealous of you today.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm having a great time. I'm in San Jose, California. Uh, in my room this year, I got a room, so uh, hopefully we won't hear people banging around uh, in the hallway outside my cheap hotel room from last year, uh, but it's, um, it's great here, and the, uh, the, we're recording this just a few hours after Apple finished his keynote, talking about all the great stuff they've got coming to iOS and macOS uh, later this year. It's, everybody around here is pretty excited.
1: Yeah, and you've got boots on the ground there in San Jose. You've been there since yesterday, I think, hanging out with uh, all our pals from from Relay and beyond. Um, before we get into the actual meat and substance of the keynote, I, I know you've only been there for probably a little more than 24 hours now. Uh, how are things feeling? You're You're there in the midst of it. You've just now been through the keynote. We're recording this just a couple of hours after the keynote has ended. There was a lot of talk before WWDC even started of, is this going to be kind of a a, a little lower in the expectations year? Um, is this going to be more of a snow leopard year for WWDC? What was the mood there, both before and now after the keynote?
0: It's interesting to me because every year WWDC seems to take on a, a different air. And for instance, last year beforehand, everybody was kind of surly, and you know, a lot of us wanted more tools with the iPad. I mean, if you go back to iOS 10, you couldn't even select multiple attachments in an email. So, you know, Apple was trying to sell it as this this laptop replacement, but it was missing several of the key tools. So going into the WWDC last year, a lot of us were kind of angry and saying, come on, you need to deliver the goods this year. And then, of course, they did last year with a lot of nice improvements for iPad on iOS. And everybody was really happy afterwards. This year, I think it's a little more mild on both ends. You know, people weren't as surly going into it. Um, Apple you know, has done a good job of keeping secrets lately. And um, so there wasn't really a whole lot of information known going into it. But uh, it was kind of common knowledge that this year they're focusing more on in, uh, performance improvements and making things more stable. So people didn't expect them to change the world. But they actually came up with several good and interesting new features this year that I think are going to be really useful for Mac Power users. And they tease some things coming into the future that are really interesting. So I think overall, people are pretty happy. I, I watched the keynote in, uh, in Mike Hurley's room. You know, the Relay has a bigger room. And all of the Relay hosts that weren't in the keynote went and watched it together. And we had a really good time. And uh, and I think in general, everybody was pretty happy with what was going down.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Apple was very upfront and said right off the bat, this is a software-focused WWDC, which kind of set the expectation of there there are no hardware announcements at this WWDC. And that could be a, a little more explanation as to why we didn't get a lot of leaks pre-WWDC. Now, granted, Apple does just a fine job sometimes of a uh, uh, leaking its own software, obviously the HomePod firmware uh, leak being a, a prime example of that not so long ago, and and we did get the last minute leak uh, just before WWDC of the the dark mode and and Mac OS ten point fourteen, but that was about it. Other than that, it, it's been um, a lot of speculation about what we would see, but but not a lot of leaks about this WWDC.
0: Yeah, and interestingly, it's been a few years since we had a WWDC without new new hardware. So they were, all the speakers today were kind of stretching out on the software topic. So we got more information today than we normally would get in a WWDC presentation. So that's kind of the good part, I think, in terms of uh, what, what happened.
1: All right. Any other things you want to talk about uh, being there in San Jose? Anything in particular you're you're looking forward to this week?
0: Uh, it's uh, it's so fun uh, being here. I You know, there's a bunch of friends that I see once a year. I just had lunch with Sean Blanc. Uh, you know he's from Missouri, so he wanted uh, in and out. You know California, so him and I just went and had in and out together. You um, bump into all sorts of people. With the new venue in San Jose, um, I think WWDC is more fun because it really takes over this downtown area where the conference center is, and there's there's a whole bunch of different you know alt comp and other conferences going on. So uh, in San Francisco, you would kind of get lost in the crowd, whereas. In San Jose, every time you walk out on the street corner, you're going to bump into somebody you know or find an app developer for some app that you use. It's, it's just really kind of a, a fun, warm environment here. So I, I'm really looking forward to this week. Um, I'm particularly looking forward to the Gruber podcast, the Daring Fireball po- podcast tomorrow night, because they usually have an the, Apple the talk
1: show podcast.
0: Yeah, they usually have a, an Apple executive come in. And a, I'm hoping that we get Craig Federighi again.
1: Wait, wait, let's guess. Is it going to be Craig Federica, Federighi and Bill
0: Schiller? I, I don't know. I mean, that's uh, I mean, if history is of any gauge, but but I, I always feel like Federighi shares a lot more information because he's a developer and he wants to talk about it. So um, I hope it's him. But, you know, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, there's a big Relay podcast thing on Wednesday night. There's the App Camp for Girls party. Uh, I'm meeting a bunch of friends and developers. I've got I've already signed up some guests for Mac Power users. So it's just a good week for me, too. Um, it's always a challenge for me uh, with the the law practice to when I go away for a week to keep that going, too. But I was up at 6 a.m. this morning and got all my legal stuff done before the keynote. So I just got to keep on top of my schedule and it'll be fine.
1: Well, very exciting. Very exciting. things
0: yeah it is
1: should we dive uh right into talking about some of the announcements
0: yeah let's talk first uh before we get into the individual operating systems just the the introduction um tim came out he did say there's no hardware so he kind of set the stage very early on that um you know he kind of stated the apple um you know core values again uh one thing he said was uh, the customer is at the center of everything we do, which is an interesting you know, statement, a uh, North Star statement for Apple. And I, I hope that continues to be true. Something that I kind of thought of when he was saying that is I said, yeah, but you know, what about all this focus on services? If you look at the way Apple's making its money, increasingly it's on services. And I think sometimes that can be kind of customer hostile uh, because then like we have this problem was it five gigabytes is the minimum storage you get. For free. Yeah. And and they, you know, in order to show that they're increasing their services revenue, it's going to be hard for them to give away more than that. Um, uh, I, I like that that's still a core value of Apple, but I, I want to see how they implement that in the world where services are becoming a more important product for them. I think it, it's something that they need to address with action more than words. Uh, so that that was the thing that, that going into it. He also said there's 20 million developers now, which is just crazy. But I mean, you remember the old days on the Mac where the big knock against the Mac was there was no software for it. Now there's 20 million developers writing apps. That's crazy.
1: Well, and the bulk of those developers are obviously writing for iOS. There's a lot of software for the Mac, but there's uh, more web-based software and more iOS software now than anything else.
0: Yeah, that that really is relevant to the end of this conversation when we talk about the, the, the stuff they're peeking to the future. But anyway, after he kind of went over a few of those things, they went straight into iOS 12 and Craig Federighi came out on stage. This whole um, uh, this whole keynote is now going to be available by the time this podcast ships on the web. So you can go to the Apple website and watch it if you want. It's kind of nice background viewing. Katie and I are going to kind of give it our color commentary today with the podcast.
1: Yeah. And, and we're going to try to give you some of the highlights and what's going on there.
0: So you'll, you'll get enough out of this podcast, but if you want to see it live... So if you want to see the recording you can. Uh one of the things they always point out every year is the adoption of iOS and uh, iOS 11 is no different. It's now on 81% of the available 1 billion or so uh, iOS devices whereas with Android the most recent version of Android is on 6% of the devices. Yeah, so they've got 6% on Android versus 81% on iOS, which is great for developers so they know the tools will work and Apple really has done a good job of making sure users want to and go ahead and install the new latest version of iOS. And then, you know, they have the customer satisfaction game. You know, we talk about how every time we use Brett Terps' his name, you should take a drink. You could do the same thing with an Apple keynote, just using customer satisfaction or customer sat, as they like to say, because they talk about that every chance they can get. And um, And they started out very clearly saying this is a performance release. Uh, they're doubling down on release. That was the term they used, and they gave some very specific statistics. Interestingly, about older devices, you know, going back to the iPhone 6s, I believe, it can it can launch apps and the uh, the share sheet twice as fast as it can with iOS 11. So they've gone through and made some real uh, interesting changes with the underlying code to make the whole operating system more snappy and the way they did that was the performance curve normally with a because apple controls the silicon you know apple makes the a chips that are in your device normally the way those work is once you start them up you know they start kind of relatively slow and then they grow up kind of following a bell curve to peak performance but what apple's done is they've tweaked that that silicon now especially on all the devices but also the older devices so that ramp up is much faster, so from the time you ask your phone to do something and the example they talked about it was like scrolling in Safari, which can be very graphics heavy, uh, the processor immediately ramps up to full speed and then scales down very quickly after that after you're done, which gives the whole phone faster performance and I suspect that was actually quite a bit of work to make that happen.
1: This has been a complaint that people have had for a long time is, gosh, you know I, I love the new updates to the to the iPhone software. But it seems like every time we get a new iPhone software update, my phone, if it's not the latest and greatest, gets a whole lot slower. And I think we saw a lot of complaints when this happened with iOS 11. Then we got the whole battery drama. And why is my phone slowing down? Why is my phone turning off? And it was a CPU throttling type thing. Um, and it seems like Apple is really going out of their way to try to address that, that you know this latest version of iOS, iOS 12, is not gonna make your phone slower if you have something less than the latest and greatest iPhone.
0: Yeah, and I I'm, I'm really glad that they they're doing that. I think Apple is kind of in a catch 22 on this stuff at all times because if they if they they try to keep it running on older devices, it's always going to be a little bit harder as the operating system evolves and they're gonna be accused of making it slow intentionally on older devices so to force people to buy new ones, which I honestly don't believe is their intention. Uh, but this year they're able to address it. So if you've got an older phone, uh, hopefully, I mean, we'll have to see benchmarks as the betas start coming out. But if you have an older phone, hopefully this will be a better experience for you this year than it has been in the past.
1: Well, and I would just caution people to what you said. I, I'm not sure this is something we can really benchmark with betas. I, I think it's something that we won't be able to really, truly tell until the the final version comes out, because, you know, betas are, are notoriously slower and buggier because they're, they're still betas. So we're still working the kinks out.
0: And, and the betas are spending, they spend a lot of time reporting back to Apple where you're having problems. So that that slows everything down too. Uh, and then they went straight into augmented reality and iOS 12.
1: Yeah. You know, AR has been kind of Apple's new hot hobby recently. They they started talking about it a little bit in the last couple of years. And again, they're doubling down on, on AR. And I know one thing that was probably I, I thought about you is, of course, they had a Lego demonstration.
0: Yeah. And the Lego person on stage made the uh, appropriate reference to Lego in the plural without the S. I learned that once I wrote it with the S and I almost got killed by the internet.
1: I was very careful in how I said it.
0: It's interesting. You know, I don't know. I mean, see, last year I was much more excited about AR than I am this year. Um, uh, Last year, because, you know, when I'm around here, I get to talk to some of the engineers and the people that are working on this stuff. And there's some really interesting computer science involved to allow you to create these virtual objects in real space. But now having had it for a year, I rarely use it. Um, The uh, you know, I, I guess it'd be good for games, but like even the Lego example, I know when my kids had Lego, they wanted to get on the ground and play with their Lego. They wanted to pull it apart. And, you know, I I don't know that they want to use an iPad to see a virtual Lego. They'd rather just have their hands on actual Lego. So I feel like this is a really good technology that hasn't entirely found a a good compelling use for everyone yet. Does that make sense?
1: It it does. In fact, I I was going to rub r- off of that a little bit because. I think that AR is interesting as a technology and we we've, we've talked about on the show famously I am not a gamer I really don't have any interest in games the the idea of the tyrannosaurus rex coming to stomp around in the middle of your basketball game that they've demoed in the past is yeah that's that's kind of cute and it makes a good demo thing and you know the the whole idea of the animoji and all of those types of things yeah okay they make cute demos but I'm really more interested in what types of things can AR do from a practical standpoint uh, we did see one example of that when Apple introduced the Measure app, which has probably uh, Sherlocked one of the uh, the biggest categories in the App Store for AR apps, which are uh, these tools that you can use your phone to go out and, and measure things.
0: Yeah, we, we were talking about that in the relay room. But the, uh, like, that's one of the best uses for AR, AR if it works. I've never actually written up a Measure app, and I was going to put one in the iPhone field guide but I couldn't find one that reliably worked, you know, they, so like sometimes it would it would like measure a wall in my office and say that it was 70 foot long, which just is not true. And so, um, I'm curious to see if they, if this Apple version is more reliable than the ones that are on the market, but I can just imagine like 10 developers in the room today, just getting up and walking out right during that section because Apple just killed one of the best uses for AR and, um, the other thing they did was that they have a new form, file format called USDZ.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a mouthful.
0: Yeah, but they, I think the idea is to give people an easy way to create AR assets. So if you want to drop a coffee table, a, um, a coffee mug on a table, or a piece of furniture from your catalog or whatever through an AR method, they're increasingly making it easier for developers to create those assets, which I think is is all necessary steps along the way. I can't help but feel with AR that Apple has a bigger plan that they're going to go further with this at some point. Maybe it waits until they have glasses or whatever. And they, they're they're going through these initial steps now, and they're talking about it to try and make everybody excited. But this is something that, like I said, this year I'm not nearly as excited about as it was last year. And um, we'll just have to wait and see how it all develops.
1: It's It's interesting. It's still early.
0: Yeah, and the fact that they put it at the beginning... Is pretty interesting too. I mean, it's clearly important to them, but I think there's another penny to drop on this from Apple that we don't know yet.
1: Well, we'll see. We'll see what new hardware is yet to come. On, and I still think the AR story is is still a few years left out to play out on it. I, I think this is still early days when it comes to Apple and AR.
0: Hey, guess what? We've got a new sponsor on the show, and I'm really excited about it. Storyworth. This episode of The Mac Power Users is brought to you by Storyworth, which is the easiest way to share your family stories. I've been using Storyworth now for a couple months, and I really like it. So, what they do is uh, they make it easy and enjoyable for your loved ones to share their life stories with a weekly email story prompt and questions that you might not think to ask. So uh, my wife and I have been doing this together. And so we get these emails and then we fill them out and they'll ask us an interesting question and then we'll write in and answer the question. And at the end of the year, they'll get all these stories together and bound them into a hardcover book. It's sleek with a black and white interior color cover and it can be up to 480 pages. This means that you and your loved ones can preserve their uh, memories and even pass the book on to future generations. Uh, I have many regrets about never videotaping or audiotaping my mother uh, before she passed. This is another thing that would have been perfect for her you know, to hear about her stories growing up in Massachusetts. And, um, so this is how it works. You buy a subscription for someone important to you, or you can buy it for yourself. And each week they send you an email with a question about your life. And then, uh, you can email back with your story, or even you can record it over the phone if you want. And after a year, the stories are bound into this beautiful book for you to keep. And it's a great way to learn more about someone. Uh, if you've got some elderly relatives that you'd like to give them a chance to tell their stories, this is the way to do it. The questions are designed to invoke entertaining, surprising, and moving responses. Like I said, Daisy and I are early in the process, but we're really enjoying doing this, and I'm really looking forward to handing this book to my kids when it's done. And I may wait a couple couple years, so they're kind of young now. Yeah, you know, I want to wait till they're old enough to appreciate it. <clears throat> But anyway, StoryWorth is a great way of staying in touch with family members who maybe live a little further away than you'd like, and you can write stories and upload photos by email or the web or even in their application. You can share those stories with as many people as you want. You just invite them by email, and you can save and edit all of your stories on StoryWorth.com. All your data is secure and everything is private by default. You get to control who sees your stories. So, like I said, we've been doing this thing now for a few months. I, I really like it. I think this would be a great Father's Day gift, frankly, if you're listening to the show. Uh, give your dad a, a StoryWorth book. Let him tell his story for you, and you'll really appreciate it. So if you're looking for a meaningful or maybe even a last-minute Father's Day gift, StoryWorth is perfect for someone you care about. So now's the time to place your order. Listeners of the show can get $20 off their subscription by visiting StoryWorth dot com slash mpu s-t-o-r-y-w-o-r-t-h dot com slash mpu that's twenty dollars off when you visit storyworth.com slash mpu storyworth is a new way to bring the family together thank you storyworth for all of your support of the show
1: so let's talk about photos david you wrote a book on photos and it seems like we've been you know, looking for a few more improvements to come to Photos, particularly since they made the, the move from iPhoto to Photos. They, we kind of started with a, a clean slate. Um, Apple gave us maybe some of those changes, maybe not quite everything we were looking at. You know, Apple tends to do these things in, in steps. Um, what we got were we got a, a lot more improvements to search. So, um, we for a while, have been able to search for like you know dog or cat or street or car or those types of things um, but now Apple has gotten even more fancy in the way that we can search for people or places or or categories, and we can start adding search terms together uh The idea being apple's trying to make it a lot easier to find things within our photos
0: yeah i mean the the search is better Apple has been doing search on device since the beginning that's one of the advantages of using Apple's photos is that, you know, it's not happening on the web and hopefully your data is more private, but that also makes it harder for them to improve it. I think, um, they added 4 million different events. Like if you go to a, a music festival, most likely it's in there now, so you can search the music festival, but they've added some logic. So you can say like, show me the pictures that are from vacation and surfing, which is nice. Uh, they've also uh, added the For You button. There's a For You button in Apple Music now that selects music for you. They have a similar method in Photos now where it can show you pictures from this day in history or featured photos that it thinks you may like. But I think the, the real big news on Photos is sharing. Um, they, uh, and they went over it pretty quickly, and I'm looking forward to kind of getting my hands on the beta of this at some point to, to really test it out. But uh, they're going to be allow you now to share Now, we've always had that ability, but it's always been a little bit broken. Like, for instance, currently, if you share a photo, it doesn't uh, share a full resolution image. It shares a reduced resolution. Going forward, when you share an event with friends, it's going to give a full resolution image. So they're not losing any fidelity. Are you happy about that? I'm very happy about that. Yes. (laughs) So, so you're not going to lose any fidelity in your image, but they also kind of made it a little smarter. And like, everybody has been talking about this for a while that, you know, we want better sharing with photos, but I don't think it's a necessarily easy problem to solve. I, I don't want, like, I want to share pictures with my wife, but I don't want all of her pictures. You know, she takes pictures of popcorn buckets at Disneyland. I don't want those in my gallery, you know, but the, um, uh, but I do want to share a lot of things with her. So now, what happens when you go to an event? Uh, Apple Photos will look through the pictures from the event and say, "Hey, would well, you want to share these?" And you say, "Yeah." And then it'll look at the pictures for the people in the pictures, and if it knows who the people are, and quite often it does for your family members, um, it'll say, "Oh, okay. I see that you've got you know daisies in one of your pictures. Do you want me to add her to the people to share this 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 event with?" I say, yeah, okay, go ahead and share it with her. And the, the example they did on stage was like 10 different people. So it can look at a lot of people in these pictures. And so then it sends the invite out, shares full fidelity uh, images with them. And then it does an, another cool thing. When they start sharing with you, then it looks through their library and sa- and sees additional pictures from the same event and says, oh, I see David has shared his pictures from the Disneyland trip with you. Would you like to share your pictures from that same Disneyland trip with David? And if they click yes, then their pictures come back to me. And um again in full resolution. This is a big improvement over the current sharing method. Um and like I'm thinking like for instance our family Christmas uh gatherings that we have when we all share pictures, this'll make it much easier to get everybody's pictures on everybody's devices. Uh I don't know if it's the final answer, but I think it's a it's a good step forward.
1: Do we have any information? I, I really couldn't tell as to whether photos that we have shared previously are going to re-download in full resolution or are we going to just is it just going to be from this point forward
0: i don't i don't know they didn't they certainly didn't talk about that i mean it's a keynote they've got to keep moving yeah
1: and i didn't see anything on the web after the fact i I suspect that information will come out you know later we still got a whole week of wwdc to go
0: yeah we'll know soon enough i mean they, they did not recreate photos they didn't like start over but they added some some very Useful and and, and 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 in my opinion, overdue features. The sharing thing just needed to get solved. It's been too long.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about this because I think you know we have a we have a new baby in our family, and um, everybody is swapping photos back and forth of her. And I, I want the full resolution photos of those because we're we're getting a lot of fractures made. We're getting photos made. We're you know you don't want the little the the even even though it's not a dramatic reduction in resolution, it's you know you want the best quality. Hard drive space is cheap now. Get
0: the- well, so, somebody in the room today, I don't even remember who it was, said that, you know, they wanted, this wasn't library sharing. They want true library sharing where all of the photos are shared. Uh, to me personally, I don't, I don't want it, but that doesn't mean it's not a justifiable request. I think that, you yeah, know, I think we need to get there too. But at least we made progress this year. And, and for the types of sharing I do, this new uh, mechanism is going to be really useful. And the fact that their full resolution, like you said, is, is golden.
1: Uh, I I want to know kind of, you know, Apple does these things in steps typically, and, and it always takes them longer than we all want for them to get where they need to be. But they typically eventually get there.
0: It's not a given that library sharing is where they want to end up. That's the that's the question, really. Um, but the next topic is the one I'm really excited about.
1: Yeah. Before we go there, though, I just want to make a quick mention to people. We are recording this, by the way, right after WWDC. We're, we're recording this. You are in San Jose in a hotel room. Um, I'm down in Florida. Um, we are sending this to our editor, Mark, to do a, a quick and dirty edit and get it out the door. So for people who are listening to the show, it may not quite be. You may hear David and I talking over each other a little bit. Uh, the audio may not quite sound the same. David is on a um, a, a mic that he travels with, and and I know you've party hard because your your voice is given out on you. So I, I just want to let people know that you know we're aware that this may not be quite the clean, pristine edit that you guys are are used to because we're um, we're trying to get this out the door for you as quickly as possible. But but bear with us here.
0: And the other fun part of this is because I'm on hotel Wi-Fi, even though I paid for the the good one. Uh, There's some compression going on where Katie's voice, sometimes I won't hear anything from Katie and then she'll, it'll like squirt like, two sentences into about four seconds and I have to try and figure out what she just said and pretend that that didn't just happen to me. So we'll t- just hang in there with us.
1: Yeah. That's my normal <laughs> okay. voice. That's
0: fine. It'll be fine. She, she, you're going chipmunk on me a little bit, Katie. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm just excited. I'm just excited. Yeah,
0: me too. I'm, I actually, I am excited. I, it's WWDC day and I just got shown a bunch of new toys from Apple. So of course I'm excited, but this next one is the one. I mean, this is the thing I've been waiting for. In fact, I wrote a post the night before saying if there's one thing we get today, I want to find out what the workflow team has been doing. You know, workflow got bought by Apple a year and a half ago. Uh, I saw those guys. I've talked to them. They always keep telling me that they're happy. When, you know, they, they can't tell you what they're doing. So I just say, are you happy with what you're working on? And they're like, oh, I'm really happy. And so that, that always made me believe that they're working on something cool that's going to help automation for iOS. And today we got the payoff for that. So you want me to talk about it, Katie?
1: Yeah, you can You can talk about it. Um, but the thing that surprised me, I'll say, is that it's coming to Siri. Apple is putting more and more in Siri. And I, I think Siri is, is blossoming to become not just the digital assistant that will do things in your iPhone and respond to requests. Siri is really becoming the iPhone. You know, Siri is going to be Apple is using this broad term Siri to to describe all kinds of underlying AI technology in the iPhone and I think at some point we're going to get to the point where Siri really is kind of iOS. A Siri and iOS and is so intertwined that Siri is just the technology underlying that that does a lot of these iOS requests.
0: Yeah, well when when Workflow first got bought I heard through the grapevine through some uh, Apple birdies, not not through the workflow guys. I don't want them getting in trouble. They are not the ones who told me this, but I, I had heard through the grapevine that, that they got purchased by the Siri group. And I never said it on the show because I didn't want to get anybody fired or anything. And I just, you know, but now it's clear that it was purchased by the Siri group. But I was always a little worried in the back of my brain that what that meant was workflow was going to get turned into a Siri service and we were going to lose all that great drag and drop functionality that workflow gives us. And so today when they announced, they said, we're adding a thing to Siri called app shortcuts. And then I knew, I immediately knew that was what the workflow team had been working on. And so the idea is to chain together commands with multiple apps and allow any app to turn into a Siri command. If you want to meditate, you can push a button in the app that says, turn this into a Siri command. And then it says, okay, what do you want it to be? And say, and the example that you just said, help me relax. So if I say, Hey Siri, help, oops, sorry. If I say, you know, magic words, help me relax um, then it would open the meditation app and start a meditation session for you. So it's automating the application. So as they started the discussion, they did it in the context of Siri apps. I'm like, okay, I'm excited. We're getting some workflow stuff over into Siri, but I don't know if it's still full on workflow or not. And, Then as they went into it further, then they started chaining together commands with multiple applications. Like you could start a workout and you could have it um, start the workout, then start your favorite playlist, and then maybe, you know, do something else that you want to do. Send it, send a text message to your spouse saying I'm at the gym. So all of a sudden they started chaining things together, which is great. And then they showed the screenshot that looked almost just like workflow. It's even got galleries of work of, uh, a Siri uh, app shortcuts you can download and chain together. So this is basically integrating workflow into the operating system, which is what I was really hoping for.
1: And there is a special dedicated Siri shortcuts app. So there is going to be a separate app. I think this is something that that Apple is going to continue. I think this is really just the tip of the iceberg in terms of where we're going to see this. And this is just how Apple has implemented it uh, in iOS 12 you know, certainly this just scratches the surface of what Workflow could do. And I think Apple has taken a couple of the popular things from Workflow, put it into uh, Siri shortcuts. And I think we're gonna see more and more as the years go on, Apple is going to be expanding this. I think one of the examples that they gave was, you know, you can, you know, there was that famous uh, workflow in Workflow where you could um, send someone your ETA to home and it would, you know, send a text message to someone saying, here I am, here's my, this is how long it's going to be till I get home. And so you can do that. And then you can also, you know, set your thermostat that's HomeKit enabled to a certain temperature and turn on your fan that's HomeKit enabled and maybe start up a playlist using your HomePods and all of those things. But you can clearly see uh, uh, Workflow's roots here. And, you know, Apple is really just starting to scratch the surface.
0: Yeah. And you can kick all of this off with your voice on your phone or your watch or your iPad. And I think even your Apple TV, or you can open the app and push a button like traditionally you would do in workflow. Uh, I'll tell you, listening to it made me wish dearly that they had kept salsa going in the company. Cause I, cause he, you know, he blazed this path with automator to begin with. I, I feel like he could have added a lot to it, but, um, either way, now it is integrated into the operating system. Um, it's early days, as I understand it, developers are going to be able to plug into this relatively easily. Uh, Marco Arment was in the room with me when we were watching this, and I know he's super interested to see if he can, you know, make this work with his podcast app. Um, so, you know, everybody's very curious. Um, I'm a little afraid I'm going to be like the dog who caught the car and doesn't know what to do with it. You know, is this going to be a thing where it's like workflow, but only 50% is good. And we're going to be wishing that, you know, Apple had never bought them. Um, I think there, there's going to be a little bit of that, at least in these initial phases, but the idea of getting away from URL schemes and getting into something that's more solid, it really makes a lot of sense. I mean, the workflow is great, but it's always been a bit of a chewing gum solution. I mean, URL schemes are something that Greg Pierce came together. So he could share a definition between his app and a, you know, and an Instapaper document. And You know, none of this stuff has ever been really good at fully automating. Like if you use uh, if you use workflow on your iPad, just watch the way the screen flashes between all the apps as it's doing its thing. You know, there's nothing that was designed in the operating system for automation until now. And that was always going to be a big um, stumbling block to it going to the next level. And hopefully we get past it now. I mean, like I said, this is early. There's still a lot we don't know. But I really like the ideas that I saw on stage. And if they can make deliver on this, it's going to allow us to be uh, we're going to have a lot of content on Mac power users coming out of this stuff.
1: Yeah, we always are excited uh, this time of year because it's just, you know, Apple gives us a push to get us kind of through the summer. And then in September and the fall, when this is all announced, we kind of set our agenda for the year. So I'm I'm excited about all the stuff coming up
0: before we move on. um, It's interesting. So all this was couched in terms of Siri. What I didn't hear when I was hoping we'd hear is addressing some of the underlying problems with Siri, you know, and the, the accuracy needs to get better. It needs to get faster. Like there's a, there's a bunch of problems with Siri in comparison to some of the other voice assistants out there that Siri's frankly behind on. And I was hoping we'd at least get some lip service to addressing that problem. I'm sure they're working on it, but they didn't even mention it today. Um, So while I am excited about the automation stuff coming under Siri, I also would have liked to hear them say, oh, we've doubled the team and we're, you know, we've, we're doing all this great stuff and Siri is going to get faster for you in the near future. And we didn't hear that.
1: Yeah. But I also feel like Apple never tells us that, you know, Apple, that's kind of like Apple acknowledging that there's a problem. And I don't know that until Apple has a solution that we've ever really heard Apple acknowledge a problem like that. I mean Apple says things when they have a solution, they say things like, "Oh, well, you know, iOS 12 performance on older iPhones is now 50% faster or apps load 40% faster" and and those types of things. They're they're they don't say things like, "We realize this is a problem and we've we've increased the team to address it."
0: You're totally right on that, but I think the automation stuff, if Siri doesn't recognize your words properly, The automation stuff is just going to be frustrating. So hopefully that they're working on that underlying problem too at the same time.
1: Uh, Before we move on and talk about the rest of the, the presentation, I want to talk a little bit about timing, the automatic time tracking app for Mac OS. In today's fast paced world, you know that the next distraction is right around the corner, and maybe Apple gave us some tools to help address that today. But you know that it makes it harder and harder for you to stay on track with your projects and determine how much time that you really worked. And I'll tell you, in my world, and probably in a lot of your worlds as well, being able to accurately track your time and how much time you spent on a project that translates into money. And if you lose time, and if you lose the ability to track your time, well, you've lost money. So that's why you need an app to help you stay on top of your time. But manual time tracking interrupts your workflow, and it's so easy to lose track of your time. And that's where timing comes in. Timing is different. It automates your time tracking to save you as much time as possible. First, it automatically tracks how much time you spent on your Mac, broken down by app, website, and document, and that's a lot of data to try to sift through, so timing lets you use drag and drop to create rules that automatically categorize your time for you. Timing also understands that not all of your work happens on your Mac, so that's why it automatically suggests to fill in the gaps in your timeline so you never forget to track things like a meeting or a phone call. It can even automatically ask you what you did whenever it uh, notices that you've stepped away when you return back to your Mac. So I bill by the hour and I have used timing to save me so much hassle by automatically tracking my time whenever I'm working on my Mac and when I'm away. Timing has paid for itself over and over and over again and probably helped me recoup thousands of dollars in time that would overall been lost. It is super simple to use and it helps me keep track of where I'm spending my time and probably where I need to double down a little bit more on my focus because I tend to get easily distracted. It's very easy to use and set up, and Timing is so confident that you'll love their fuss-free approach that they offer a totally free trial. So you can download their 14-day free trial today by going to timingapp.com mpu, and that will save you 10% when you decide to purchase. So Timing. Stop worrying about time and focus on doing your best work instead. Thank you, Timing, for their kind support of MacPower users. So we got to kind of an interesting part in the keynote where we started talking about news and stocks and voice memos, which kind of felt a little weird, but then led to some interesting discussions about why we were talking about those apps.
0: They kind of buried the lead on that, but suffice it to say, they talked about stocks in this presentation about a thousand percent more than I thought they would. It seems like because they talked about stocks in relation to the Mac and in relation to the the uh, iOS apps, and they that's great that they redid the stocks app. Same thing with voice memos. They're apps that work fine, but they got a little bit of polish and upgrade.
1: I was happy to see the changes. A lot of these apps now sync over iCloud, so everything syncs. Um, I use the voice memos quite a bit on a... On a on iPhone. So I'm glad to see that stuff sync over iCloud to, to iPad.
0: No. And it's nice that they got an update, but it felt like they were stretching time when they were talking about these things. Cause like, okay, that's, I mean, honestly, they could have just said one sentence. We upgraded the news, the stocks and the voice memos app and moved on. But instead they wanted to show you video of it working and explain how they changed it. It felt to me like they were just like wasting time. Um, My notes in here about stocks is I fell asleep here in this part. There's a, there's a bit of a punchline to this later though, so let's just keep that till later in the show to explain why they did that. They also uh, changed the Apple bookstore. I mean, there had been leaks about this earlier. It was the iBookstore when it first opened and then they changed it to iBooks and a bunch of my books got rejected because it had the word iBookstore in it because that was you know the word that it was when it was first formed, so I had to go back and fix them all. And my guess is I'll have to fix them again because now they've just dropped the i entirely. There's no i in iBooks, uh, so... Uh, It's just a bookstore and um, the Apple bookstore. And it looks like they've done some changes to the marketing, just like they've done with the app store. And that's great. I I can't wait to see how that all looks, but there's not really a whole lot of newsworthy stuff there. But then we got to CarPlay. Except
1: hang on before you get off of iBooks. Do you think they're gearing us up to reuse this awesome name again with hardware? Because iBook is a great name for a laptop.
0: I don't know. Maybe that I didn't even think about that, but that I guess that would work. But I get the impression that Apple's kind of done with the eye if they can.
1: Maybe. But I mean, we've got the We've got the MacBook. We've got the MacBook Pro. We've got the MacBook Pro 13 inch and 15 inch and touch bar and without touch bar and then the air and the whatever.
0: I don't know. Maybe. I mean, the i iBook would be a good name, but I, I don't know if they will or not. Um, either way, uh, CarPlay. Um th- This didn't get a whole lot of time, but what it did get was very useful. You can now use third-party navigation apps with your car. So if you like Waze or Google Maps, you're going to be golden.
1: I have really uh, started using Waze, and I would use it much, much, much more if it was built into CarPlay. I am so excited for Waze coming to CarPlay.
0: Yeah, I think it's a a great thing that they've added. And and everybody was, uh, there was a lot of like... um, discussion that apple wouldn't do this because they want everybody to use their maps app um i'm glad that they are doing it and it looks like you know just probably just took them a year to get it set up and i'm looking forward to september when all these apps will work on my carplay
1: yeah i feel like apple has finally got to the point where they're secure enough with apple maps i mean before they didn't do it because they were trying to build up apple maps and hopefully now they're secure enough in apple maps that they're okay with it hey let's talk about um some of the do not disturb features and the the tweaks to notifications. This was a lot of meat in the presentation. I was very excited to see some of these these changes to D and D.
0: Oh yeah. And they explain, I mean, all of the tech companies have been doing this lately, you know, talking about attention and making sure that our devices don't take too much of it. So this is one that I think everybody is predicting was going to happen that we would get better notifications and do not disturb. And honestly, it was overdue. I mean, the notifications are, are are not that great. I mean, it's hard to manage them. So they've, they've really made some nice steps here. The first one was with Do Not Disturb. And now Do Not Disturb has a lot more context attached to it. You can identify it to a location. So you can say like, when I'm at home, I just want Do Not Disturb turned on. So you don't get bothered with work stuff when you're at home. Or you can say uh attach to a calendar event so if you were going to start a podcast or walk into a meeting you could say you know have do not disturb turned off for the duration of this calendar event and then you don't get disturbed during that time and then when you leave it automatically turns itself off and then uh do not disturb turns off and then you've got uh notifications again if you need them i i think this is really a nice uh touch uh, I don't think it's really that difficult. I, it's a little overdue in my mind, but I'm glad it's here. And I think the implementation looks like something that everybody can use.
1: I'm curious to see how long before we uh, we lose the um, the the mute uh, silent switch on the iPhone and everything just becomes controlled through here. One one more switch about to maybe go away. Who knows?
0: Yeah, who knows? Um, but so, do not disturb was the first thing that got changes. The next thing that got changes was notifications. So, and they, the term they used on stage was instant tuning, which was music to my ears because I, you know, this is a soapbox I've been standing on a long time. remember when I told everybody they should, um, go through their notifications and settings next time they're on the toilet and you got mad at me, um, that they, Apple's making it easier now. So you can just, when you get a notification right from that notification, you can turn off notifications for that app going forward, or even just adjust them. So if an app shows up and you're like, oh, I don't want a notification from this, you can take care of it immediately without even going into the settings, which is great.
1: I'm excited about this because uh, Apple has for long been kind of lagging around this. And I think they're finally, you know, Apple does this. They they lag around other people kind of do this. And then when Apple comes through, it's it's kind of like the isn't it the third generation Apple comes in kind of a third generation and then eats everybody's lunch on these things. I don't know
0: that they're eating everybody's lunch. I think uh, some of the stuff going on Android has been this good for a while. So, you know, I'm not that impressed with it. it it's not like blowing me away, but it's it's necessary. I, this is a thing that if it hadn't shown up this year, it would, it would be kind of amazing that they didn't add this stuff. But I'm glad it's here. And I do agree, though, I think Apple has made it easy for people. So hopefully we can all tune our notifications even better. You can also group notifications now, not uh, only by... Um, by uh, app, but you can even group them by tag. Um, I'm sorry, I'm mis- mixing that up with something else that they talked about. But you can group notifications and you can triage groups. So you can say like, cancel all my email notifications or calendar notifications, you can put them together. So they're giving you more ways to look at them as well. I, I think that's all good.
1: So another feature that Apple added that goes kind of hand in hand is a screen time feature. And what this does is Apple is trying to help us keep track of how much time we're spending on our phones, which I appreciate because sometimes it's it's easy to just blindly spend, uh, you know, minutes that turn into hours on our phone, you know, really doing nothing. And I think this this information can be empowering to let us know, oh gosh, I spent 30 minutes on Instagram. I probably didn't mean to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, like one of our sponsors today is Timing that doesn't have an iOS app, but it would be good to have that same kind of information on your iOS usage and the reports. The thing that impressed me about this is the reports are very granular. They give you a lot more detail than I expected. And I also think this will be very useful for parents because you don't know if your kids are waking up in the middle of the night and, you know, running Netflix for three hours. You just, um, I mean, there's ways to turn it off, but you know, there's also ways for them to get around it and, you can have these reports delivered to you if you have kids on your family sharing program. So uh, I think there's just a lot to like about this across the board.
1: And, you know, in addition to just giving you the information, I mean, I am interested in my information, but as a, as a parent, and I I know your kids aren't that young, but parents are going to be able to act on this information by being able to limit time spent per app on a per app basis um, and say, you know, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, five hours on Facebook a week is enough. Thank you very much. Or, you know, maybe probably less than that is plenty.
0: You can also do that to yourself. Uh, so you can set a time limit on whatever app is your guilty pleasure, and it'll give you a little notification if you hit your, your deadline and you can give yourself additional time, but it's a good way to kind of give you a little kick to say, Hey, maybe you should get back to work now. And, um, Uh, like I said, I'm the devils in the details for stuff like this. And all we've seen is Apple screenshots and a few short videos, but I think they're going in the right direction. And I think this is something that's going to be a nice addition. (laughs) Then came Katie's favorite part. I was thinking about Katie the whole time.
1: I was going to say, we can, we can skip the whole, um, everything that they talked about with messages. I'm, I'm done with
0: that. not gonna let you do that. Katie Floyd.
1: They're new critters. And, um, and they can tell if you have your tongue sticking out. Oh, what the world has come to now?
0: Yes, now uh, tongue detection is a legitimate phrase in the Apple parlance. So, <laughs> in fact, if you if there's one part of the video you should watch, it's the section where Craig Federiki says, "Yeah, we have a new feature in Animoji," and then he makes this very strange face, like I can't believe I'm about to say this, and then he says tongue detection. <laughs> but if you stick your tongue out with an Animoji, then the Animoji sticks its tongue out too, and it's kind of cute. No, they there added is... more critters. No. Too.
1: There is never an appropriate reason to stick your tongue out at your phone. I don't think there's an appropriate reason for an adult to stick their tongue out, period. So let's just go there. But no, stop. Just no.
0: Not even if it's the cute new panda bear? Nope. I mean, come on. No nope. panda bear.
1: Do not stick your tongue out, period. Unless unless you're eating ice cream.
0: <laughs> the The more this makes you angry, you realize you're empowering me, right? You're just making me stronger.
1: Mm. No, thank you.
0: Uh, And, um, all right. So in addition, they added a new feature that I can personally cannot wait to share with Katie and it's called me emoji. This is, this is the best. So you can put together a little icon of yourself and it's actually really well done. The icons look great. I mean, it's better than most implementations I've seen I'm sure a lot of the artists that work on the Apple emojis were involved with this, but you, you pick your face, your skin color, your glasses, your hair, and you end up with a little icon, a little emoji icon that looks like you or ho- however you want it to look like. If you want to give yourself a Mohawk, you can give yourself a Mohawk. But once you're done, then you can use the Animoji feature to animate that little icon of yourself. So I could uh, make my Memoji and then I could send little notes to Katie about things that are important to me, like Star Wars or Star Trek or whatever. And then she could watch little videos of me. Stop! They're super cute. No, really, these are great. I I think they're going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to share them with like the fam, my family members, my kids, and I are going to do it. Oh, this is going to be great.
1: There's going to be a whole YouTube industry that pops up over Memoji. I think is CGP Grey now going to be a Memoji instead of a um. Uh, in, instead of a, a stick figure?
0: It's funny you ask that because he was in the room with me and he was really impressed with the animation of them.
1: What well, Would you ask him for me?
0: I, I'll ask him. I'll ask him to report back. But but the funny thing is during the demonstration of all of this, at one point, um, they, they took it t- to another level. And that is you can have it shoot video of you wearing your normal shirt and like your torso. But then it, interposes your Memoji face on top of your normal body. No. And at that point, the the entire room blew up because we all agreed that was like a bridge too far. It's like you had me right up until the moment that you put the Memoji on top of a human body. And then it just was just it got really weird really fast.
1: I think it was weird before then. But OK, so isn't this like Bitmoji? Isn't this just a Bitmoji knockoff?
0: It kind of is, but it's the, the, it kind of is, but the artwork is better and you can add the animoji feature. You cannot animate a bitmoji this way. So, so it's better in that way. I I honestly can't wait to do this. I think I'm going to make all of my communications with you. Memoji, I'm going to take it up a step.
1: I'm blocking you.
0: Would you make a memoji for me and just send me memoji? Um, notes if I promise never to share it with the internet or screenshot it.
1: That's not going to happen. No, I don't believe you. I don't trust you. I don't have that level of trust. We've been podcasting
0: 10 years, Katie. You can do this for me. Come on.
1: No, I can't. I I was stunned when we went to the ABA tech show this past year and the lawyers went, the professionals, the professionals that we entrust to secure our liberty and to save us from tyranny. We're going crazy over the bitmoji. I I I shudder for what's going to happen with the memoji.
0: Kitty, we all want to have fun once in a while. We all want to have some fun. Yes. Or most of us do
1: <laughs> I am not a boring person,
0: but you don 't but you you are not a fan of emoji still i i can I, I sense that your opinion hasn 't changed
1: my opinion has not changed.
0: you can add stamps now they they 've really kind of just taken it up a level. it seems like they 're kind of going after some of these other social media services that allow you to get decorative with your artwork and uh, my big complaint about all of this is apple 's got some great ideas, but I feel like they don 't push the pedal down hard on enough on it. I mean, I feel like they should have holiday themed attachments and faces. I mean, we should have at Christmas, we should have a Santa Animoji that we can Animoji Santa, you know, and on, you know, in March we should have a leprechaun and, you know, they should, and Thanksgiving, we should have a Turkey. I mean, they should be releasing this stuff regularly and updating it because I feel like that's how it's really going to take off. If people want to go in it every couple of weeks to see what's new and different and, Apple, I think, is on the right path. I, I feel like just the opposite, Katie. I think they should push down as hard as they can on this because people do like using this stuff. And as silly as it sounds, this does sell phones. And I, I, I guess I, I still enjoy doing it. I mean, I do it with my nephews and nieces all the time. They love it when I send them little emojis. And now I can send them, you know, a panda bear or a, or a T-Rex. So I'm going to be even more popular.
1: Let's move on to talk about FaceTime. Uh, FaceTime got some updates. Okay. <laughs> yes. And that we can now, uh, group FaceTime. I, I, I did think this was a little excessive with up to 32 people. Do we really need 32 people in our FaceTime? I, I mean, I don't want to video chat with 32 people or, or have a conference call with 32 people, but I, I think like Five or six would have been sufficient, but okay, we can do it with 32.
0: I, I don't even have 32 friends, so I'm not sure how I could use it all, <laughs> but the, um, it, it looks cool and I'm glad it's another one that I'm glad is here. Finally, it should have been here before. Uh, I think their implementation of it is really interesting. The windows kind of float on the screen and whoever's speaking, uh, their window kind of blows up to fill the screen. And then if somebody else starts speaking, it switches over to them automatically I like the user interface. I mean, Apple's always been good at that kind of stuff. Um, again, I want to see how well and stable it works. As I sit here today and we're we're literally in Skype hell on this show. I, I hope you guys can't tell when the show gets finally edited and released, but um, it's been hell. And so maybe Apple can get better at the stuff so Katie and I can use those technologies going forward.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you that. Before we started the show, the first thing I said to David is I said, do you think we can start using FaceTime instead of Skype now? And he said, we're looking into it. I, I think I promise you those discussions are being had right now
0: uh, to get inside baseball. Yes. Um, the, the other thing they did with the FaceTime is they integrated it into messages so you can be in a group message and turn it into a group FaceTime chat. And like that's something I'm sure Katie might be a wrinkling her knows at, But I know like my kids who sit in these groups while they do their homework together, I could absolutely see them pushing the button to do a FaceTime call and just talking to each other while they're all in their rooms. Um, So it's, um, it's, it's a nice move forward. Okay. Before we continue, let me take a minute to talk about our next sponsor. We are so happy to have back to the show market circle um, with their great application. Daylight. Do you want to grow your small business? Do you want to increase sales and make sure you execute perfectly on your plans and build stronger relationships with clients? Without the chaos of keeping track of all these things, Daylight is the max CRM for small businesses that want to overcome the challenges of scaling a small business by streaming processes and making sure nothing falls through the cracks. Unlike most business apps today, Daylight is not a web app, so you don't have to rely on the internet connection to do business. Being a native app, Daylight gives you the speed and Apple experience you expect. um, And your information downloads to your Apple device and syncs in the cloud. So everyone on your team can access and update everything no matter where they are. It's really like the best of both worlds. You can have your cake and eat it too. Now, are you feeling stressed and disorganized from using patchwork of too many tools that don't talk to each other with daylight you have everything all in one place remember everything about a client with the full history of emails notes appointments projects are all linked together with daylight so you can quickly find the best time to book a meeting by viewing your whole team's calendar in one view daylight even integrates with apple mail so you can update customer information or set reminders for follow-ups and add appointments to your calendar, all from your inbox. Now in Daylight, you can automatically pull leads from your web form right into Daylight through the new Zapier integrations. And with powerful new Zapier integrations, you can automate so many things that will help you save time so you can focus more on growing your business. So they have an automation engine built in using Zapier. It's just great. Um, Daylight is, a, is an, as a company, just as a, a note, that's been around for a long time. In the old days of Macworld, they were huge. As the world kind of moved to this web-based information services, they did the impossible. They kept this great native app experience, but got all that great um, web-based synchronization built into the app. They spent a ton of time and money to make this app modern and just awesome, really. So you should check it out if you've got a small business and you need this help. To do so, visit marketcircle.com slash daylight. That's D-A-Y-L-I-T-E to try daylight for free for 30 days. And be sure to let them know you heard about Daylight through the Mac Power users to get a 50% discount on your first monthly subscription. It's a great app. Uh, they've made some amazing changes, and I couldn't recommend it enough. So go check it out. It's marketcircle.com slash Daylight. And thanks again to Daylight for sponsoring the Mac Power users.
1: Let's move along and talk about Watch OS. I'm very happy with my Apple Watch, and I like seeing changes coming to, to Watch OS each year. We we got a couple of, of big ticket things, I think, that I've been wanting to, to check off on watchOS. I'll be curious to see what, if any, hardware updates we we get in the fall. But, um, of course, we got, uh, what is it called? The Bezos chart, again, when it comes to watchOS. Uh, Apple Watch is number one in customer satisfaction and 60% year-over-year growth. 60% year-over-year growth over what? We don't know, but it's 60% year-over-year growth, which is impressive, but, yeah we
0: don't know numbers it's continuing to grow i mean it's it's never going to be as, as successful as the iphone because not everybody wants a watch um uh, the, the, one of the first categories of things they're adding with watch os 5 is increased activity stuff i mean the health tracking is a big deal for a lot of people and they're continuing to push forward with it they added um a new feature called challenges with friends so you can challenge a friend. And I and I think I'll use this. I mean I, I have a bunch of friends with my workouts and we always tease each other and egg each other on. And now we can actually challenge each other. It comes with additional badges. I know it's a little bit of social engineering, but it works on me, and I'm looking forward to trying that out.
1: Uh one of the you know, they've added other activities like yoga and hiking. And then they've added some additional features for runners, like helping you track your cadence and giving you alerts about your pace. Are you on pace for, for certain thresholds?
0: Yeah, one of the big features they added that I'm really excited about is that it automatically detects when you start a workout now. I mean, it I've lost so many workouts because I do the whole workout and realize I forgot to start the watch. Or I have the opposite problem of I finish a workout and forget to stop it, and then I end up with like a six-hour workout. Um, now it auto detects when you're starting and finishing, and um, hopefully you won't lose data that way and you get better workout data.
1: They've also added some additional features in terms of connectivity. You know, we got the um, the Series 3 watch that included cellular, but you can use these on, on both Wi-Fi and an, uh, on cellular, uh, a walkie-talkie feature with the watch. So go back to your old Nextel days. We're going to get a walkie-talkie feature with the watch now.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that will actually be kind of useful. Uh, the question for me is how easy it is to activate. I almost wish it had a hardware button attached to it. Like just in the house, just to tell my kids it's time to come downstairs and eat dinner or something like that. I, I could see myself using it for that. Uh, but I um, I want to see how it implements. Uh, it doesn't have to be just on your Wi-Fi. Like Katie was saying, it also works on cellular. So my wife and I could theoretically walkie-talkie to ourselves across the country, but Um, uh, I want to get my hands on that feature before I can really report it. But it's a good idea.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how much I'll use it, because when I want to do something like this, I just do it as a a voice-to-text message, but we'll see. Um, I'm also very excited about the updates to the Siri Watch Face. Ever since the Siri Watch Face came out with the last version of watchOS, it has been my default watch face on my watch. But, of course, I've, I've wanted ways to expand it, and the Siri Watch Face is getting additional expandability options, including support for sports, maps, heart rate. uh, Honestly, none of those I really care about that much. Um, But also support for Siri shortcuts and the big one, third-party apps.
0: Yeah, the Siri shortcut things is really cool. Like, you know, we we did these workflow style chaining together of commands. Now you can trigger it from the watch face. And Siri would presumably be smart enough to know, like, if you leave work every day at four o'clock and you trigger the same Siri shortcut, it'll put it on a watch so you can just tap your watch to start the music and turn on the air conditioning at home and all those things that you've got it doing.
1: One of uh, the features that I know it's a little thing, but I, I love this. You no longer have to say "ahoy, telephone. When you uh, raise your wrist, you can just raise your wrist and start talking to Siri. I've, I've missed Siri several times because I raised my wrist and just start talking. And now you don't have to say hello.
0: Yeah. I hope that works. I mean, it, it seems to me like it could be something where it gets false positives, but this is one we're going to have to get our hands on um it's got more interactive notifications um they um they have webkit now which i don't know <laughs> I, with 50 year old eyes i don't know how much of the web i'm going to be able to read on my wrist but <laughs> you know but the most exciting part of the whole presentation i was sitting next to mike hurley and the relay podcast um, connected, appeared on the screen at the keynote when they had the uh, announcement about podcasts coming to the Apple Watch. Did you see see that?
1: Yes, I'm very excited. Of course, I wish it was us, but I'm very happy for our Relay brethren.
0: Oh, uh, me too. I'm super happy for Mike. And it's great, you know, that that uh, one of our fellow network shows got featured during an Apple keynote. So just had the artwork up there for connected and really good. Um, the uh, And also we had at this section of the keynote, the best... One of the best demos I've ever seen at Apple. I wish I had written down uh, her name, but it's uh, it's a woman who works on the uh, Apple uh, Watch face program, and she uh and she uh, gave a demo while doing a workout on a stationary bike. You know, and it's like. <laughs> Who does that? You know, I mean, her heart rate is going through the roof as she's doing a big exercise. At the same time, she's demonstrating stuff on her Apple Watch. I was super impressed. I think she wins. Yeah,
1: better than the standing paddleboarder, who, by the way, was also a woman.
0: Yeah, yeah. There were there were actually a lot of female um, people on stage today, um, female presenters, and I was like that, you know, because Apple. Um, they bring these people in because they're really running these programs. It's not like lip service, you know, you know, sometimes people do that. And I really like that the, you know, these people that run these programs are given an opportunity to come on stage and they're so proud of what they've done. You know, it's great seeing the, seeing them give their own demo demonstrations.
1: Yeah. But you buried the lead a little bit. Um, yes, the connected podcast was featured on stage, but it was featured on stage because podcasts are coming to the Apple watch.
0: Yeah, which is great. So if you want to take a a hike and just listen to the Mac power users off your Apple watch, you're going to be able to do that. Also, you know, they do those splash screens where they show a bunch of features that they've added at the end of each section. It looks like the audio um, engine uh, transfer engine is coming to the watch for third party developers. So hopefully uh, third party podcast apps will also be able to drive audio files to the watch for you so you can listen to them native off the watch. I mean, that's all a little bit kind of out there right now. We're not sure, of, but it looks like that's going to happen as well. So no matter where you listen to your podcast, you may be able to head out the door with just your Apple watch and, and still listen to us.
1: Yeah. I, I can't wait to hear Marco talk about this a little bit later and maybe maybe this is what he's going to be doing this summer. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. I, I'm sure before the week's up, he'll be in the API and he'll know, more, know a lot more once he gets into it. And just one last thing on the watch is Third-party apps have access to the Siri face, which is a big deal. Uh, I think the Siri face, like Katie was saying, is a great feature, but giving third-party apps access it makes it like five times as good to me because if there's, a you know, apps that you like, they're going to show up on the face and that's what we needed
1: uh TVOS is probably what was up next uh we did see that apple's continued to growing uh, growing with apple TV although we did get 50% apple TV growth another one of those uh Bezos charts I guess 50% apple TV growth is is good um i think that was probably spurred by the the fourth generation and the third generation apple TV that that supports apps um i guess uh, technically i guess it's the fourth generation and the 4K apple TV that that supports apps um, but Apple is continuing to double down on the future of TV as apps, so we'll we'll see where that goes. but we're starting to see things like um, uh, Apple is adding Dolby ATMOS support. You have to have a special soundbar for that. Apple is experimenting with turning your cable box, your Apple TV into a cable box type software service uh, if if you have a supported uh, cable service um, and also supporting instead of single sign on no sign-on. Uh, if it's supported by your cable service provider and that's where you get your internet access from. So um, a lot of these things they are supporting, you know, kind of asterisk if your cable service provider supports it.
0: Yeah. I, I felt like this is the section of the presentation where they were pulling. I mean, it seems like they were just dragging on. There there wasn't a whole lot of big information here. The Apple TV now has Dolby Atmos. Uh, they've got more screensavers. Honestly, that's all they, the new information we really got out of it today.
1: I like the Apple TV screensavers, so I'm very excited about that.
0: Yeah. Oh, they also will tell you now where they're at. Uh, you know, if you, if, it, if it's ever bothered you when you see those cool screensavers and you don't know where they're shot from, now you find out. And um, also, uh, Katie from Florida, uh, they've got these great shots from the International Space Station. So there's a lot of good um, satellite type um, video coming in.
1: Yes, I'm very excited about that. So that's that's TVOS, and we'll we'll start seeing those soon. Before we get along to talking about the Mac, I do want to take a break and thank our final sponsor for this episode, and that is our good friends over at Smile Software. And I want to talk a little bit about Text Expander. You can communicate smarter with Text Expander. So Text Expander allows you to eliminate the boilerplate drudgery from your day. It is perfect for standardizing and improving your written responses that you give every day. So imagine saving seconds and minutes off of your day every time you type, because we all naturally type the same thing over and over again. Uh, Maybe it's directions, maybe it's our brand, maybe it's our email address, maybe it's our address, maybe it's our phone number. You can use Text Expander to automate these types of things saving you all kinds of time. A text expander is perfect for standardizing and improving the written replies that you use every day. It's a perfect place to gather and perfect and to share your knowledge because with text expander for teams, you can gather all of this information from your teams and share it across everyone and allow the best writers in your team to write and perfect your best responses and make sure that everyone is always on message all the time. Text Expander allows you to recall your best words instantly and repeatedly. Have you ever said something or typed something really smart and thought, gosh, I really wish I could recall that next time I need to use this? Well, with Text Expander, you just copy it and save it into Text Expander, and the next time you need to say something similar, just type a few keystrokes and Text Expander will pull it up for you. Text Expander can even do really smart things like format dates, autocorrect common misspellings, and search your collected knowledge from your team with just a few letters and a cot key. It allows you to share these best words and phrases with everyone, and it makes everyone more productive. You can also get started really quickly with Text Expander right out of the box. They make it easy for you to quickly set up a few snippets, and you can work with some of their pre-made public groups, so you can automatically download some of the most commonly used words and phrases with TextExpander. So, this guy Max Sparky created a lot of videos for Text Expander. You can learn more about them and learn how to get started with Text Expander by heading over to Textexpander.com slash podcast. And you can sign up for a free account and see the difference that a little text expansion can make for you. And when you decide that you're ready to s- sign up for Text Expander, if you head over to TextExpander.com slash podcast, you'll not only get a 30 day free trial, but you'll also get 20% off your first year of service for Text Expander. So it has never been easier to get started with Text Expander, and there's never been a better time to go ahead and get started. So head on over to TextExpander.com slash podcast. Learn about how others are using Text Expander for up their productivity game. See how you can use Text Expander for yourself and go ahead and get started and start saving a lot of time with Text Expander. So, thanks to Smile and all the kind folks over at Text Expander for their support of the show.
0: Okay, so after a long time, we got to the Mac. Uh, I, I was getting nervous that they were just going to say, you know, after they spent 20 minutes talking about the Apple TV, and say, oh, and also we have the Mac. Have a great day and uh, enjoy the conference. I was truly concerned, but we actually got a pretty good segment on the Mac. Um, The, uh, the new version of Mac OS is going to be called Mojave, which is a nice desert here uh, in California. Is
1: that how you say it? Are you sure? Yeah. Mojave. Oh, I didn't know that was how you said that. I guess you would know because you're out there in California, but all right.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, the Mojave desert, but the, you know, I, I, in fact, I was, talking to some friends in a room that that that's yet they picked another name that's going to be really easy to mispronounce if you're not from california but whatever uh, so we went from the mountains to the desert and um they added some nice features with a new version of mac os uh, the first one was the one that had leaked a few days before the event and it's dark mode and um it's truly dark mode you know jason snell and i were talking last night how he's been wanting dark dark mode forever. He says, they told us we had dark mode a few years ago and it just turned out to be a dark menu bar and a dark dock, but not really dark mode. And now we actually have dark mode. Like if you look at the finder, it's rendered in a dark mode and the, um, the user interface elements are, are flipped to a dark mode, even like the calendar and things like that in mail. Um, I'm sure there's going to have to be some work by developers to make their apps work with the dark mode. So when you put it in a dark mode, it renders the colors properly but um, it looks like we're there. Dan Morin told me as we were watching it this morning. I've literally been waiting 20 years for this feature. So <laughs> if you've been waiting for dark mode, this is your year. You're gonna get it.
1: Um, I I think that you know dark mode. I, I guess I'll, I'll try it. We'll see. But Apple added a lot of other improvements, not just you know beyond the surface level, but they made a lot of improvements to the the desktop. And I'll tell you, as a long time um, Mac OS user, a, a lot of Apple's improvements like this, like you know, um, like spaces and those types of things I haven't really used. Um, but they added one that I think I might, the dynamic desktops and desktop stacks. It uh, gives you a way to, um, uh, you know, easily sort things. I keep a pretty clean desktop, but it's, it's a way to help people who have perhaps a little clutter on their desktop organize things by kind or by tag. Um, and it also gives you a little more flexibility to do things with your desktop.
0: Yeah, I've talked in the past about using Hazel rules to clean my desktop where I can make a folder called pictures and Hazel can look for any picture file on the desktop and sweep it into that folder. Um, This feature does that to your desktop. So uh, it makes stacks of documents. I was thinking about my wife's computer. You know, I I talked on the show in the past how um, she is the best wife in the world. Absolutely. I'm so lucky, but she was going to murder me the day that I tried to clean her desktop for her. (laughs) And uh, now Apple's doing it for her. But I think the way Apple's doing it actually makes more sense because it's going to sweep all that stuff into stacks and then she can search the individual stacks if she's looking for images or or documents or whatever. I think it'll be a nice feature and I think a lot of people that have messy desktops will probably like it. Um, They also made some improvements to the gallery in terms of views the um cover flow view which i you know i kind of forgot it was even there but it's still there but it's now being replaced by this gallery view where they give you better metadata um they don't show you the list of file names but just kind of give you a a really clean view i was thinking like there's a lot of listeners that don't want to use uh, apple photos they prefer to store all their photos like on a dropbox folder or some cloud storage this gallery view and finder is going to be really good for them because it's going to let them look through their images in a nice way, still see their metadata. And, um, and I think that'll be a really nice feature for them.
1: We're also, I'm excited about the improvements to quick look. So I've, I use quick look all the time. Is this the file that I'm looking for? Is this what I want? And so quick look has been in the finder, I think almost as long as Mac OS 10, maybe, maybe not quite all the way back. But now Quick Look is actually going to allow us to be a little more productive with Quick Look. It's not going to be just to take a quick peek at something. We're now going to be able to do some simple edits to things with Quick Looks. Like so often you'll pop something open because you just need to rotate a photo or need to quickly mark it up. You're going to be able to do those things now with Quick Look, which I think is, is huge and is going to help people from having to go all the way into the, the app to do something that should be pretty simple. Yeah, I I do this
0: all the time, just looking at a, a quick image. Like the example they used was a PDF and they went ahead and used the signature tool to sign the PDF in the quick look rather than making you open preview. Uh, what they didn't talk about, and I'm really eager to see once the betas come out, is if you can change file names that way. Because I often in Quick Look want to fix a file name, and I always end up having to open the file to do it. So I'm curious to see how deep down the stack this goes. But uh, I, anything is better, you know. Well,
1: why don't you? I don't understand. You don't just fix the file name in the Finder.
0: Yeah, I could, but if it's already open in Quick Look, like I'm not sure what it is. Then I open it in Quick Look and I see it. Uh, it would be nice to be able to change the name and location right up there in the, um, in the bar above the the image, you know, like it, I forget the name of it. I think it's the contextually aware. I'm going to screw up the name of it, but you've got the ability. If you've got a, like an image or a document open in preview just to go click on the icon at the top of the screen. And when you do that, you can rename the file and you can move it to a different location. You can apply tags all right there, which is very convenient. And that feature is not available in Quick Look. It'd be nice if it was.
1: Okay, um, continuity camera is is coming to the Mac. Um, this basically gives you the ability to. I wasn't really sure I understood this one, but. Aren't you basically seeing your your camera and your photos within all of your stuff? I
0: mean, no, it's just it's just using your camera, your phone as the camera for something you're doing on your Mac. Oh,
1: that's right. This is this is like the scanner feature where you can use your camera to scan into your Mac.
0: Yeah. Like if you if you're working on an image and you need to add a picture of something and you've got the FaceTime camera in your Mac, which is not very attractive and doesn't not very good, whereas you've got this really fancy camera in your phone. You just push a button and then it jumps to your camera. It opens up the camera app and it's ready to take a picture. You don't have to do anything on your phone, but point it at what you want to take a picture at, including yourself and press the button. And then the image goes directly from the camera to the phone back to the Mac and gets inserted where it was going to go. They use that normally for an image. uh, Craig used it for that image of himself in the the, uh, astronaut costume, but you can also use it to like scan a picture, you know, uh, we just talked uh, recently on the show about how, um, actually, we're going to talk next week on the show about PDF apps and how the, the Apple Notes scanning feature is really good for the AR functionality, but misses out on other stuff. But you can use that function now on your phone to scan something in to your Mac directly. I, I'm very curious to see how people implement this, but I think it's going to be a useful feature.
1: Right, uh, Screenshots. Also got some uh, love.
0: The screenshot functionality has always been basically the same on the Mac. I think was it command shift three for the full screen command shift four for a um, target mode where you can target specific pieces of it. But uh, without going into the terminal, you really didn't have a lot of control what you could do with that stuff. Uh, they got a bunch of changes to the interface uh, it gives you a lot more customizability when you shoot the image there's a miniature version that shows up on your desktop and they added the ability to make short screencasts so you can uh, in addition to running a screenshot you can run a short screencast it's not going to work for the type of stuff i do but like if you had an app with a bug in it and you just wanted to send the developer a quick video or if you wanted to take a video of something on the internet and drop it into a presentation, it'd be just fine for that. So that's going to be a nice feature.
1: And so then we moved on again to talk about news and stocks and voice memos. And we're like, why are we talking about this yet again?
0: Yeah, all that stuff kept coming up and they kept talking about it at length. And I, I was super bored. I, you know, it's... I, <laughs> I didn't know why they were doing it, but they so they they they've moved the new stocks and voice memo apps to the Mac now uh, and the home app, which I was very happy about. So all your home kit stuff you can control from your Mac now, which is overdue. We'll get to the punchline on all of this soon, but let's move to the next topic for now.
1: Oh, we're going to make them wait. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, Apple is also doubling down on security and privacy. Uh, they've been they've been doing that for a while. They also brought some improvements, particularly in the the web security and privacy realm. Uh, they, they are really getting aggressive about trackers, um, particularly in the social media realm, because that's a way that um, you know social. They're basically saying hi, Facebook. No. Um, They're they're taking they're using they're doubling down with Safari um, tracking on cross site tracking, as well as uh, widgets and social media trackers that are built into sites and helping to prevent tracking there. Uh, They're also bringing some improvements to the keychain app uh, for passwords and other security.
0: Yeah. and, And just to kind of explain, sometimes these fill in forms on the Web actually create trackable events. So you fill something out on the internet and suddenly you've, you've signed your computer up for tracking. Uh, The Mac is going to do its best to detect that and warn you before you do it. So it's not going to prevent you from doing it, but at least let you go into it knowing. So if it makes sense to fill it out and, you know, and submit yourself to that, then you're okay. If you don't want to do that, if you're surprised by it, you can decline to. And there's another thing going on that I really wasn't that aware of. It's called fingerprinting. And apparently web developers now have got very advanced in terms of looking at the specific implementation of your computer, like what fonts are installed, what plugins are installed. And they can, you know, the more information they have about that specific Mac, the more they can identify it as a unique device on the Internet. And then they basically they call it fingerprinting where they can follow you, what you're, you know, what you're doing on the Internet just based on the hardware and software configuration of your computer, which is pretty tricky, you know, when you think about it. And Apple's um, doing a thing to anonymize a bunch of that data. So when you go on the web, the the web services are not going to be able to get that much information about your specific Mac. Uh, Like they aren't going to know what fonts you've got installed and things like that. And that will help uh, prevent them from fingerprinting you and tracking you that way. It's really a cat and mouse game that Apple's playing here.
1: Yeah. Um, the Mac app store is getting some updates. We're going to see new categories and we're also going to see video previews coming to the app store. We're also seeing some apps that have left the Mac app store coming back. Um, you know, BB edit is coming back to the Mac app store. Uh, the Barebone bone sophomore folks are bringing stuff back to the app store and Microsoft is coming to the Mac app store.
0: Yeah. You've always been able to sign up for Microsoft office in the iOS store. Uh, but Microsoft office has never been available through the Mac app store. So I'm guessing Apple and Microsoft made some kind of deal. And also what wasn't talked about in the keynote, but I think it's probably going to come out in the next few days. I think Apple is relaxing the sandboxing with all the new security they've added. They're, they're going at the security model. I, this is my interpretation of what happened today. They're talking all about how they're protecting your data. And it seems like they're focusing more on the data end about people getting access to your data as opposed to um, locking down apps as much. And I think that the sandboxing is going to be relaxed a little bit. That's allowing some of these apps to come back into the store and they're going to protect your data on the other side of the transaction. So um, this is like Katie said, we're just recording this right after the keynote and I expect we'll learn more about this in the next few days, but I think there's some changes that have been happening behind the scenes that's making it possible for some apps that have left to come back.
1: Um, and then of course, the one another buzzword we, we heard about was machine learning. We heard about that both in talking about iOS and, and in Mac OS. And I think we've heard that before.
0: Apple's continuing down the road uh, to make uh, the tools to build the stuff easier and implement it better. And, They're trying to do, you know, a common refrain from Apple is they're trying to allow your computer to do this locally. So you don't have to share all your information with the internet or some server out there in the, in the wild. And I think, you know, they told us in as many words that they're continuing down this road and that's about all they really said about it. But then they ended it with kind of a tease, um, you know, the, uh, you know, we thought that was basically wrapping up the presentation. And then Federighi says, you know, a lot of people ask us, are you merging iOS and macOS? And this is a subject that's come up on our show before. And he says today, I'm going to answer your question. No, they're not merging the two operating systems. I don't think that's ever really been the plan because Apple's got so much success and really both ends that um, they didn't need to, you know, or as you look at the Microsoft model, they're doing everything under a common Windows uh, operating system. But you know there was always a but. <laughs> the uh, the but here is he said we're giving you a sneak peek where we're coming up with a way to make it possible for you to take your iOS applications and easily move them over to the Mac. And traditionally that has not been easy because the UI kit and you know the core uh, UI uh, components that they use aren't the same. I mean, on the Mac, you've got a keyboard and a mouse and on iOS, you've got touch and, and what they're doing now is coming up with ways to map those different interfaces to different devices. If not automatically, then much easier than they have in the past. And that's when they finally explained why they kept talking about stocks and news and, and the home app and all the stuff that they had converted from, um ios to mac because they rewrote that stuff for ios and then they converted it out to the mac and they said we're trying it on our own stuff to begin with we're not going to make it available to developers till next year but the takeaway of all of this is people who have successful apps on ios are going to be are going to be much easier uh, have a much easier time putting those apps on the mac in a year which is a big deal
1: yeah and i think we're gonna we're gonna hear later about, you know, Apple has always kind of had the theme of if you follow our best practices that we're talking about now, it's going to make things easier for you later down the road. And so perhaps that's what we'll hear a little bit about in WWC this year is if you keep adopting our best practices and doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're creating your iOS apps. You might find it's a little bit easier later down the road to convert these to macOS apps later.
0: Yeah, and I think what people are going to hear from that is if if you're making a successful iOS app and you're thinking about taking it to the Mac, you should probably wait a year because they're going to make it a lot easier next year. Another thing that I hear from that is I'm a little nervous about Mac apps. I mean, are Mac apps going to become converted versions of iOS apps? Are people going to stop putting effort into making apps specifically for the Mac? I mean, I don't want to be alarmist. This is so early and I don't know what it's all going to mean, but... It, immediately, I think once this goes into effect, we're going to have a ton of new apps available for the Mac, uh, and hopefully, they do it in a way that makes them good apps.
1: Yes, but but I think from what we've seen at the keynote, it, these aren't necessarily going to be full feature. I hate to say full featured, but they're not going to be full fledged, full featured Mac apps that we're used to being. I mean, they're they're going to be iOS apps on on Mac, and in kind of the the look and feel, and that's going to be fine for some types of apps. It's probably fine for the news apps. It's probably fine for the stock apps. It's probably fine for certain types of apps. But there are a lot of apps that aren't, you know, aren't going to be able to take this route.
0: Yeah, like OmniFocus, I don't think works for this. I mean, the the version they're making for the Mac is so different. Uh, But what about five years from now as they get better at this? I mean, is there truly going to be a separate Mac app platform at that point or will will they get so good at it that everybody just makes a really killer ios app and goes through this process to put it on the mac i don't know i mean it's a uh, it's a very interesting time the other thing that was uh, interesting with all this was he said you know this is one of the first steps of us trying to make it easier he didn't say it was the final step <laughs> so i think apple has a roadmap for um you know they're maybe they're not going to merge the two operating systems, but I think there's going to be even more crosstalk between them coming into the future.
1: Well, we're going to hear a lot more about these announcements later in the week. This is very early WWDC first impressions. Remember, the conference is just getting started. Developers are just getting into their sessions. Uh, we haven't heard a whole lot from them yet. Um, th- this story is still going to unfold over the next several days and over the rest of the summer. So these are just kind of quick takes from what we saw in the keynote. And there's a whole lot more to come.
0: You bet. You bet. I can't wait. I'm going to have a great time this week. I'll probably report back more uh, over the course of the week or on the next episode of Mac power users. Do follow max Sparky.com. If you don't usually read my blog, this is probably a good week to read it. I'm going to put a bunch of insight I get while I'm here in San Jose. And, um, it's exciting times. I always like seeing what Apple's adding. I think they're making good steps and now I, I hope they execute well on them.
1: You can continue this discussion if you'd like over on our Facebook group. You can find more information about everything that we talk about over including links to that Facebook group over on our website at relay.fm/mpu. We do want to thank our advertisers for this episode that will be story worth timing market circle and smile and we will see you all next week.